The text for the sermon is taken from the epistle. This is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Last week, Father Glenn described the Bible as the church's library. And it is the church's library, because the church actually gathered the text together, ratified the canon. It's also a library because it is a collection of text from various authors who were inspired by the Holy Ghost when they wrote. This is our text. It's our revelation, not only of the nature of God, but also his work of redemption on behalf of his creation. We don't read Holy Scripture, though, just as a textbook, as some historical tome that helps us understand the proper order of events. Rather, as we read and understand Scripture, we join the narrative. The narrative interprets us. These texts convict us of what we might be doing wrong but also they reveal to us the life we live in Christ and how to shape our lives in that reality. These texts are the means by which we grow. This is important to keep in mind, especially because now we have just entered into Trinity Tide. It is that long season dedicated to the growth and maturing of the church. It is that season which I'm so glad to get to through all of the busyness and the the upheavals of the last few months, and it's the season I can't wait to get out of once we get to Advent. We have this for 25 more weeks. And so by the end, we're ready for a change. But this is the season that the church has dedicated for growth, growth of the parish, and also growth individually. It's why... It is marked by the color of green, a green which notes to us the growth that we have seen all the world around as the trees have blossomed this spring and now have leafed out. In our liturgical cycle, this is the longest season, and so it pushes us to consider what is our spiritual progress. If you take a look at all of the readings throughout this long season, which is called the lectionary, you will see that the season shows us a path, a path of moral perfection which sprouts from our union with God. It is the traditional path of purgation and then illumination and finally perfect union. What we saw in Trinity Sunday and then last week, if we had the readings, uh, they were calling us to this path of asceticism, laying out this way, but also what is the end. Now, Trinity 2, all the way to Trinity 9, will focus on our purgation, which simply means spiritual cleansing. Cleansing through Jesus that requires the purgation of sin from our lives. It's a time of suffering, in a way, as we put off our old man, we crucify our flesh, so that we may gain self-control and turn towards virtue. But then we see a marked change in Trinity 10 through 16, 
those readings focus on illumination, meaning our rising to our new life in the Spirit and then growing in the knowledge of the Spirit's gifts, which we have all received. As we recover our true selves, we then grow in the love of God and we seek further union, which is the final step. And you see in those readings from Trinity 17 to Trinity 23, they all focus on this final stage of spiritual growth, which is union with God. It's in the vision of God that we find our true happiness as we experience the mystical marriage of our soul with God. And we come to dine with him in the great marriage feast of the Lamb. So this pattern of growth from purgation to illumination to union with God, which is our path in our life, this is what we mean by participation, which Father Glenn talks about all the time. This is what it is. Trinity season uh, asks this question or answers this question. What does a participatory life in God look like? I don't think this is as easy of a question to answer as it might appear at first. You see, the epistle this morning highlights a tension that we have in our Christian life. John the Evangelist wrote in this letter, He that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us, by the Spirit which he hath given us. Wait a second, which one is it, John? Is it by following his commandments that we are in union with him? Or is it the spirit that's been given to us? It seems like there's a tension there. So do we dwell in Jesus because of our moral behavior? Or is it the gifts of the spirit which keep us in Jesus? What really does a life of participation look like? Well, of course, this life starts as a pure gift of God to us at our baptism. It is at baptism that we are made new creatures, fit to be with God as our sins are forgiven and we are then given the heavenly virtues of faith, hope, and charity. And this morning, we get to witness it as Jacqueline was baptized. Right in front of us, she became a new creature, regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit. But now... Jacqueline cannot just rest. I'm sorry, Jacqueline. Because the incorporation into the body of Christ demands a certain life in which the Christian serves God and then fights manfully against the world, the flesh, and the devil. This fight against evil and towards God is our moral life, which blossoms from our baptism. The moral life, then, is our participation in the ontological life that God has given us. In the past, in order to describe participation, uh, we have often used the metaphors of a child in the womb, or that we're children of God, or that we are branches grafted onto the vine. But this morning, I want to focus on another metaphor. Uh, found really only in the writings of John the Evangelist to help explain how this moral life that we are called to 
follows from inherently our baptisms. John the Evangelist uses the metaphor of friendship to describe our relationship with God. Friendship, though, is not in conflict with these other types of love. Rather, they are all different forms of love which lead to God, who is love himself. So God does love us as a parent, since we are his children. He loves us as a groom, since we, the church, are his bride. But he also loves us as a dear friend. And so the love of friendship gives us a unique insight into our walk with God. Friendship is unique amongst the loves because it's absolutely not necessary at all. We, we are all here because of the love of Eros. We were all raised through the human love of affection, but none of us have to have friends. It's not necessary. It would be lonely and awful, but it's not necessary. Friendship is different. Friendships are formed by sharing a common love of a common object. You see, lovers, they will face each other in their love, right? But friends will walk side by side looking towards the object which they love together. In fact, it's through the common love of something else that the friends grow together. We understand this naturally. This past week, uh, when I was at the Anglican uh, diocesan youth camp, we were talking about friendship. And in order to explain this point, how we as humans just get this, uh, I pulled up my chair a little bit too closely to the one of the young girls. And I asked her, can we be friends? And she was very kind. She said, yes. And I just stared at her. <laughs> and just kept staring. And what was strange is that our friendship did not grow. The only thing that grew was awkwardness. <laughs> For some reason, she didn't talk to me again. But <laughs> You see, friendship grows as two people look towards, they share a common knowledge towards a common love. As we pursue a common good with others, we grow in friendship. And this can be over the, just the weirdest strangest, smallest of things. Think of your own friends. How did that begin? Did it begin over a love of croissants? Did it begin over a love of a certain strange band? Did it begin of a love of bicycles or pipes or anything? But in that common love and through the sharing of knowledge one to another, the friendship grows. And that friendship can grow not just with one person, but with many. In fact, again, in contrast to lovers, one person can have many friends all interested in the same thing. Two friends will eagerly welcome another, as then all three or more now grow in knowledge and love of the object. And then the activity that they do whether it's just talking about that object or doing something together, will grow the bond between the friends. Think of how this, own, this parish itself has grown. It has grown through friendships. It has grown through sharing 
why don't you come and see what we do here? Wasn't it a beautiful vision this morning to see Jacqueline baptized and her two sponsors are her friends? For this reason, friendship is sometimes called the angelic love. C.S. Lewis puts it this way in his book on the four loves. We possess each friend, not less, but more, as the number of those with whom we share increases. In this, friendship exhibits a glorious nearness by resemblance to heaven itself, where the very multitude of the blessed, which no man can number, increases the fruition which each has of God. For every soul, seeing God in her own way, doubtless then communicates that vision which is unique to all the rest. That, says an old author, is why the seraphim in Isaiah's vision are crying, holy, 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 to one another. The more we thus share the heavenly bread between us, the more we shall all have. You get a great vision of this in our icon of all saints, where each of the saints together, bound in friendship towards a common vision, which is sharing that friendship with Jesus, and he shares with them his Father. Friendship is remarkable. As we come together and pursue God together, we not only grow towards God, we also grow close one to another. This idea of friendship helps us then understand John 15, where the evangelist records Jesus declaring that his disciples are his friends. Listen to what he says. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, and that whatsoever you shall ask of my Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Do you see how Jesus explains this friendship? Listen. We walk with Jesus towards a common goal, God the Father. Jesus chooses us as he gives us the gifts and knowledge of our common love, God the Father. And through Jesus, we grow in knowledge of God. And by his example, we learn how to shape our moral life in order to better understand and to love God. Think about in any club or in any society or any group of friends, they start sharing the same habits. They start sharing the same words and phrases and jokes. They might even start dressing the same. They might go to the same places, eat the same meals, because as they walk together towards their object, towards their love, each and every one of them are molded together to resemble that love, 
even though each is having a unique vision of the same. This is the same type of language which was used in our epistle for this morning, which is no surprise, it's written by the same guy. This is his commandment that we should believe on his name of the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. He that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him, and hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. Our participation in God is multifaceted. It begins as a pure gift at the deepest level of our nature. But then it also demands our careful attention at the moral level because our actions are what prove our friendship. Our actions are what make us friends together with the one who has the knowledge of our end. Next week, we're going to continue this, th uh, this theme of friendship as we look further into the components of the Christian moral life and see how we can continue to grow in love of God and neighbor through this season of Trinity Tide. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.